What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes, the show that is changing all the time. That's right, Mr. Big Body Biggs is not going to be with us on a weekly basis anymore. Instead, I'm going to continue to bring in around a host of people who I love, people who I respect, and people who I want to just bullshit with. With that said, he will be back for further episodes. Let me introduce our guest today. I don't even know where to begin, quite honestly. I was going to I was gonna write down this whole thing, but I felt better shooting off the cup. Mr. Daniel of the Reasons I'm Broke podcast. I can't thank you enough for being here. I've been listening to you. You've had me on your show before. It's it's really, truly a dream come true to be doing this with you right now. So thanks so much for taking time out of your very, very busy schedule to be here with me on Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. Thank you for inviting me on Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. You and I have been working together a lot recently it feels like like the start of something as we go through not just you appearing on uh, my podcast but also me showing up on this one and honestly it, it it's really nice to be able to support uh, people that have supported me for many years so i really do appreciate it nick and and it, the privilege is absolutely mine you are too kind, sir. Anybody who listening who hasn't been here before, let me give you a quick rundown of what we're going to do. Buds, Bros, and Superheroes is the name of the show, but it's also the three sections in which we'll talk about. So if you're a traveler of the green, you will be excited for our Buds part. Bros part is going to be really just us hanging out. Uh, like we said, we've been working together for a little bit, but it's always been on a podcast where there was, you know, not as much hangout time of just like, I didn't know that about you and you didn't know this about me. Hopefully we'll get some of that stuff covered. And then finally, in the superheroes, I felt like talking about Constantine. I had really had it on my mind. So we're going to talk about specifically the movie, but we are going to probably dive into a little bit of Matt Ryan and the TV show and different stuff like that going to be a hoot guys so thank you so much if it's your first time here if you're returning thank you back so very much as well uh before we really get into a proper i always say i gotta horror ourselves if you're listening on youtube if you could do the bell and the subscribe all those things if you're on a, a podcatcher thanks for listening to us the last thing i can really hope for is somebody could just spread it word of mouth if you got a friend who likes buds bros or superheroes fuck you got a show for them guys with that started let's head right into the buds part it's going to be a smaller part today because you yourself sir are not a traveler of the green no not at all i mean the swamp thing green yeah when you think of when i'm when you're talking about the green that's immediately what i go to is scott snyder's comic book so that's exactly where my brain is the couple of times that I have smoked uh, the marijuana, I was really drunk, so it didn't affect me at all, and I never tried it again because of that. And I don't know if they counteract each other or if I was just so out there that it didn't do anything for me. But yeah, that was basically the last time, and it was many years ago. I love your Swamp Thing reference, though, because that's what I every time I say a traveler of the green, you know, I do hear <laughs> like the the deep swamp thing of you are kind to the green so that was really funny <laughs> a great way to start this i did want to shout out harvest some of the best people working in there and something i kind of teased last episode but i know for concrete fact now is called small buds monday so if you get small buds they already take 10 for ten dollars off of the price so it's a uh, 50 and then on mondays they'll take another ten dollars off so you can get an eighth for 40 freaking dollars so i went and picked up three i have wet dreams which I still don't like the name of. It's just gross, you know, because especially one of the big part about smoking is the taste. So when you say to somebody, how's that taste? And you're like, oh, man, these wet dreams taste good. You're like, hmm, maybe not <laughs> Very the salty. correct sentence. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I got East Coast Sour Diesel. And the very last was Lemon Badger Haze. Honey Badger Haze. Honey Badger Haze. So like I said, that was really good. This is not an ad or anything like that. I just fucking love Harvest so much. I love that deal. The next one I think I'm going to do is disposables. They had something crazy, like 20 bucks for a disposable or something like that. 
it was insane how good the prices were. Like I said, not an ad. I just, I just fucking love those guys. And another huge shout out to all the bud tenders. We got a few that are fans of the show. So that's fucking awesome. Shout out to them. Yeah. Uh, just because you're not a traveler of the green though, doesn't mean that you can't get into some deep stoner or shower thoughts though. Is that my, am I correct in that? That's right. Shower thoughts. Exactly. And I always enjoy hearing these last week you had your guest on and that was another one where I was just, I was telling you on Instagram, my mind was blown by some of these where there are things you don't think about, but they're all true. Yeah. So the first one that I have on my list to talk about is, have you ever noticed, Daniel, that being up for something means the same thing as being down for something? <laughs> yeah, I'm down to record this. I'm. It, it's. I don't know where it confuses me. You're. You're. I'm always at a stalemate with these because they're both true. There's no right or wrong. I tend to use. Are you still up for this? It just sounds more positive than it sounds more inviting, but. I've used down too. They're exactly the same. Which one do you use more often? It's funny that you say that because as you put it in that context, I feel like I would use up as like, you know, a positive, a positive connotation. Like, hey, you still up to go into the amusement park? Whereas where I feel like I do down for like, hey, you still down to take me at the airport 4 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> one's more fun. One's not. Right. Yeah, so there's a time and a place for it. You figured Next- it out. <laughs> Next up here, this one actually truly blew my mind because the more I look at it, the more it does. The word bed looks like a bed. Because <laughs> if you look at it, the beginning of the B can be either the foot or the headrest. And then the end of the D, again, is either the foot or the headrest. And right in between is a nice little E for you to lay on in the bed. Is that the first, not emoji, but you know how we used to do text art back in the 90s? I'm curious if that's the first one of those. I mean, how many other words actually look like the image? other than bed without using all the special characters it's just straight up the word i hadn't thought about that in quite a while yeah what was life before pre-emojis and you had to go and create your own things you had homer simpson you had the different smileys but with bed you didn't have to do a thing i i can't it's got to be the first one at least in the english language really yeah no i would have to definitely get down with that that is actually a fact now <laughs> daniel have you ever thought of the fact that right now you are both the oldest you've ever been and the youngest you will ever be again. That depresses me and makes me happy at the same time. Again, I'm stuck between two terrible places, like one great, yeah, I'm the youngest I'll ever be, but I'm also, and and that's the other, that reminds me of that Louis C.K. bit too, where he says, you know, after you die, you don't go, oh, that's it, I made it, 86 years old, that was it. You're just, your last thought is, this is probably it. Like, you'd never get that confirmation. (laughs) And that's what this reminded me of. What it reminded me of was a little bit of uh, Batman v Superman. And I went a little morbid. And I was like, if I died right now, would I be too old to be considered dying young at 30? Hmm. I don't think so. I think people would still write, ah, he died too young. Probably. Yeah, people will still say that even when you die in your 50s or 60s. Huh. I wonder what Alfred was talking about there then. And which line was it? Because I'm reminded of the one in which he says that he's older than his father ever was. Oh, he, oh, you're talking about when Alfred says even some some of us are too young or too old to die young. Is that what he says? I think, yeah, he said something along the lines of even you're too old now to have been said to have died young or something like that. And not for a lack of trying. That's what he says. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're, I was just about to get so ahead of myself with like, hey, guys, we're going to talk about the Snyder Cut, but we'll yeah, save that to the very end. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the last one might be the grossest, but at the same time, like you said, 
it's it's true and it'll struggle in your mind for a little bit i like to steal the thing from the matrix and like if something really hurts my brain i like to say it bakes your noodle so this one will really bake your noodle guys during cremation the body at some point is cooked perfectly see this one's the only one that i might disagree with because i mean not your whole body it doesn't cook evenly so your your legs might be more crispy than your torso and your torso might not be quite ready yet I mean, it's got to be, I don't know how cremation really works, but uh, it, it doesn't cook evenly. I mean, the human body doesn't, even when you cook like a, a chicken, right? I hadn't thought about it, but it is weird. Do you want to hear something like kind of fucked up? Yeah. Yesterday, as I'm going through work, I've been going through Game of Thrones just on the back end. I like to have something to listen to and blah, blah, blah. Somebody dies. And in that show, are you familiar? I've seen the first season. They burn everybody for a good reason. I won't spoil it for you in case you want to go through it. But everybody's got to burn once they die. Okay. And I'm watching the episode where somebody literally says, who knew this fat fuck could smell so good? I said, that's so <laughs> weird because I'm about to talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> I outpace myself in Game of Thrones. I'm like, fuck it. I don't want to turn it on anymore. I go to Hulu and the A-Team, the new movie is there. And I was like, fuck it. It's been a while since I've seen this. Let's turn this on. And is there's that the a one? Oh, sorry. Liam Neeson, right? Yeah, yeah. Bradley Cooper, the Rampage Jackson. And I always forget who plays Murdoch. I feel so bad for that actor because he's he's there, but he's just not a rememberable name for me. What was the A-Team on? Hulu. It was just on Hulu. I, okay. It was one of their new ones. But there's a point where they're going to cremate him. And I was like, this is fucked up. And that made you think of this weird fact. I mean, I mean, what do you think? Can you be perfectly cooked at any point? Uh, if we go Game of Thrones style and it's a giant pyre, it could be. Yeah. I don't know. Like, different things have got to cook at different times. So, like you said, maybe a crunchy leg does mean that it's perfect. Maybe. That's true. It's fucked up to think about. And now that you're bit. saying it, <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about a person in a giant turkey, like in a, somebody's oven and with, like, little tin foil around their legs and shit. Mm. It's, wow. That went dark yeah, pretty no. quick there, sir. Yeah, we're in the, the road. I don't know if you ever saw that, but we're in that territory right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. But no, I usually think when I think of eating people, too, I also like to think of this is the end. The one where all the famous stoner comedians play themselves. They're in James Franco's house and the end of the world happens. No, I haven't seen that one. Oh, anyway, Danny McBride, spoiler alert. He's like, I'm a fucking cannibal now, bro. Look at this. And he's wearing bones and stuff. It's it's pretty hysterical. <laughs> so I hope everybody got a little bit tantalized, a little bit titillized, has something baking their noodle for the next week during these stoner talks. But with that, we are going to close out this section and get into a little bit more meat here. This is something I've been excited to talk about with you in the bro section of kind of getting to know each other a little bit more. So, sir, one of the things I want to talk about immediately, because I just, you know, it's how we met. It's how we know each other is you and your podcast. And if you want to give almost like a brief, what's the word, biography of it. Yeah, so it started back in 2012 with my wife and I, and we, we had started this thing. And you and I share that passion for being inspired by Kevin Smith. For years upon years, I don't know if he still says it. It's been a while since I've kind of heard him say it. Now he kind of just does the, like a general create something message. But back then he used to really push people to create a podcast or to do something creative, to share, record the thing that you talk to your friends about and share it with the rest of the world. And after so many weeks of hearing him say it, uh, I decided to do what started as a YouTube and podcast show. So I would have a video portion to it and then the audio only that would go up on Apple Podcasts or at the time they called it iTunes. And from there it evolved into what it is now of 
the reasons I'm broke. So that's comics, movies, TV, video games, and more. Especially recently, it's been a lot of DC Comics talk. You had mentioned the Snyder Cut. We're trying to restore the Snyderverse, and that's been the flag for several years. Recently, Kelly, after almost a decade of you know, being on the other side of the mic and even she's admitted initially, like, I thought, he, you know, we were just going to do this for a few months and then, you know, he'd move on to something else or he'd find, but we, we just kept doing it for years. And we, you know, over the years we did meet amazing people like yourself who we've then grown to know a lot better, work with, become friends with and gotten to know. And I think without people like you and, and the rest of the Brocad core, I wouldn't have continued to do it since 2012. You know, they're doing this as you know is not about the numbers it's about enjoying it having fun and getting that feedback and that communication with the people on the other side so uh, as of recently it has turned into you know myself still co-hosting the show but then having someone else on the rotating end and thankfully i've been fortunate enough to uh, have people on the show that also enjoy doing this and Kelly said, you know what, it might even turn out better because you, you'll do it with people who have a greater passion for this than I ever could. And that's kind of where I'm at. It's still a weekly release. And and you showed up recently on the TMNT retrospective, which is about to release publicly. It's already out on Patreon. Uh, but that is essentially it. It's It's still going and I don't plan on stopping. Yeah, I remember when I first started listening, I was in the car driving. I just moved here to Pennsylvania. I was like, this is so much fun. I'm going to go back to listen to episode one. And I tweeted <laughs> you and I was like, guys, this is so much fun. I'm going to go back to listen to episode one. And immediately you were like, oh, man, that's going to be all. I can't wait to hear you hear it for the first time. I was like, holy shit, they tweeted me back. Like that was the first time, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and tweeted out and maybe gotten a like, but never a talk back. And that was one of the greatest things about finding you guys is just the different things that we'd pick up kind of together. You know, podcasting is super being together alone. You know, you don't think about how often you're in somebody else's house or in somebody else's ear and becoming friends without really knowing it. But what you guys did different is always have that interaction on the Internet. And it's like, oh, no, we actually are becoming friends. And that's one of the things that I think makes makes it more special in a way. And, yeah, I do some I have the same experience as you were. Even now, I'll tweet out to other creatives and usually, you know. I don't always get something back, but it is nice when you find like-minded people that also create things or that just enjoy the thing that you do. And I, I think that's exciting because it's like, all right, cool. That puts more fuel in my tank than seeing a spiking in numbers, you know, seeing someone that heard the podcast and has feedback on it or says something in relation to it or answers a question that right there fires me up and that'll go a long way. And I, I'm sure you share, you've, you share that same sentiment sentiment. Oh, yeah. Recently, I just put something together for the Instagram where it was like, if you could smoke in one of these places and they're all fictional places and somebody responded and I didn't know who they were. You know, it wasn't like my mom or my friend or my cousin. It was literally somebody I don't know. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I felt like the Ghostbuster lady. You're like, we got one. Like, even for a fucking <laughs> second, this person saw it, thought of like, you know, they wanted to interact. And I was talking about this with my mother actually the other day of just like how great the internet is for that back in the day, you know, I don't want to age myself or sound like I'm too old, but sometimes if at school, you didn't know somebody else who liked fucking Spider-Man, you weren't talking about Spider-Man that week. You know what I mean? So to have the internet out there and like type in Spider-Man chat room and just be like, Hey, do you like Spider-Man? Like, yes, I do listen to this and we can talk and blah, blah, blah. It's, 
it's fantastic. The internet can be quite creepy and scary, but it can also be kind of beautiful in bringing people together. And I find especially nerddom to really have a, a stake in that internet claim. Absolutely. And I think we are very lucky to be existing in this time period because who knows in 20 years if we'll be able to freely record something and then put it out on the internet like this. You know, back in the 90s, as you were saying, we could have put copyrighted music behind this, no problem, and and have that be the show. But, you know, these days there's a lot more restrictions. I understand why, but I'm just curious as to what it's going to look like in 20 years. But until then, I will just, you know, count myself uh, fortunate and, and happy that we're able to do what we're doing right now in this age. Yeah. And that also kind of brings us full circle to what you started with of Kevin Smith of like, it's the fucking wild west, man. Just get out there and say whatever you want on the internet. And nobody can come and be like, Hey, you shouldn't do that. There's no FCC. There's no nothing like that. You know, I've done radio shows through the college that I went to out here. And then I produced a talk show on quote unquote real radio out here. And sometimes I'd be like, don't you just wish you could say whatever you want? And he goes, yeah, but no, can't do that. So why don't you start a podcast? And he goes, because I work here and I can't like I'd be from this place. You know, if I say something, all of a sudden everybody's going to think WKI whatever is going to say that, oh, this guy said this and now he can't. And just to not have to deal with any of that, like you said, just get on this mic and just rip. It's perfect. That's one of the things that I still I mean, there is that cancel culture that could happen. Even recently, it's been a concern with and I'm not sure if, if you work where you handle um, a lot of customers or a lot of, you know, where you're interacting with your clientele. But for me, that could easily be something that if they really wanted to, they could they can find this podcast and say he was on a podcast about marijuana and he works at this comic shop. And therefore, I am no longer going to be supporting this. Hey, at Marvel. Hey, at DC. You know, all of that could still happen. Cancel culture is still very real, but it's kind of the risk that we all take by doing this. And I, I don't think you and I are going to hold ourselves back because at the end of the day, this is the passion project. This is what we do to get our creative juices going. And sometimes there's a price to pay, but you know, until that happens, at least on my part, I can't speak for anyone else. I'm still going to, you know, do the, the outside of radio thing. And I think that's cool that you also came from that at, at my college. Uh, I did uh, some radio as well for the station. It was more music based and there was a little bit of talk show to it. But I, I think that's really cool. That's another thing that you and I can relate on. And it makes a lot of sense now uh, hearing that because you're incredibly uh, well-spoken behind the mic and very talented on it. That's really nice of you to say, because as I was talking in my last little thing, I thought of this quote by Michael Scott where it's like, sometimes I just start a sentence and I don't know where it goes, but I just <laughs> I'm continuing on that track until I get to the fucking end of it. And I'm thinking to myself like, oh, Jesus Christ, dude, you're rambling, like try to get this shit together. And then for you to say something like that, dude, that was very nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's true, though. It's very true. You come off very natural and and uh, now you're relaxing me. So that that's testament too. Something that we kind of talked about a little bit was like when you were in school or when we were in school, because I believe we're almost in the same exact age bracket. Was it not hard, but was there other people that you were able to go, oh, my God, this is my other comic book friend? Or were you even into it back then and kind of your life coming up in this, quote unquote, nerd world? So I used to, that used to happen by the T-shirt that I would wear. So I would put on a Venom, Spider-Man, Captain America, Batman, whatever was available. There was this beautiful comic shop in in Illinois. It was in one of the mall kiosks, and they used to have the all the logo T-shirts. You can find some stuff at Hot Topic, but not a whole lot. Not like you can today. 
And if someone else saw your T-shirt, they would usually say, oh, cool, Spider-Man. And it wouldn't happen often because, as you know, back then that wasn't the common thing. Having superhero T-shirts on wasn't your everyday wear like it is now where you'll see 50-year-olds with a Superman shirt. And none of that wasn't existent. It, it wasn't like that. So that's how I met a lot of my friends. Obviously, in school, you would see who had the handheld Game Boy or or video game, and that would initially be like the calling call of, okay, this person's probably into games, comic books, movies. That's kind of how you had to do it. As you mentioned, yeah, you had chat rooms, but that was dangerous. I, I definitely never took that chance of, I'm a 12-year-old kid. Let me go meet this adult who says they're also a 12-year-old kid. It would all happen at school. And and how? what about you? How would you connect with other classmates? Uh, it's funny that, you know, off the top of my head, Spider-Man was this point that I was doing this whole time because that was the only thing that I remember for a short time being okay because of the television show as well. That when that came out, we were all, quote-unquote, in the right age to like cartoons and comic books. Eventually, when they started coming out with new stuff, I'd, I'd still watch it, and other people would be like, you're still doing that? That's for babies, isn't it? And it's like, I don't know. No, yeah, that's for baby. I'm not. No, I don't watch that, but I've got to be home because Mystic Knights of Tiernanog. Uh, I got to go home. Do you remember <laughs> that Mystic Knights of Tiernanog? No, that's not one that I grew up with. I don't know why that was my go-to there, but at the time, Ham Saban or Saban, I I don't want to. Apparently, he he likes his name said in a very certain way, and I don't know how to say it. But I've on top heard of doing, Saban, yeah, yeah, on top of doing the Power Rangers, you know, he took every single show in which motherfuckers turned into different motherfuckers and just put it on. So he had the VR Troopers at the time. And what was the other one? Oh, shit. It just went in and out of my head because they backdoor piloted that in Power Rangers at one point. But anyway, there was this one more and it was called the Mystic Knights of Tiernanog. And it was mightily the laziest one where a bunch of knights found a bunch of almost fraggle rock motherfuckers inside a cave. And they were like, here, take these elemental powers and transform into your knights and go battle evil and shit. Gotcha. So you got to that age and then it was you wouldn't admit that that's what you would actually go home and watch or <laughs> Barney. Uh, what else was there? I mean, there was there was a lot that Dragon Ball. Um, yeah, there was there's a lot of those that you wouldn't admit you would actually watch. And in my era, it was Pokemon, oddly enough. But that's one. I don't know. I never had that shame and and saying like no I, I i like pokemon i like you know captain america batman uh, i don't know i guess i just didn't care as much as a kid because i wasn't really picked on either for it my friends were which was always really weird to me where my buddies would get picked on but they'd always just be like hey dan like i don't know what it was but um yeah no i never really had that shame it was only i would say i probably put it down around fourth or fifth grade and then picked it up back at the end of high school because by around sophomore year, I was like, fuck it, they're making fun of me anyway. You know, like I was <laughs> one of your friends where I was just like, guys, like what? Now what? You're going to make fun of my jeans? My jeans are too <laughs> blank? Like, fuck it. If I'm going to have jeans on or you don't like my shirt, it's going to say Spider-Man now because fuck it kind of thing. And that's also the, the right time, too, because people started making cl school clubs. There was a anime club when I was growing up. And that's that perfect age of you, as you were saying, where people just stop caring. They're like, you know what? Whatever. Then you get to college and you really don't care. And you really find out that no one ever cared about that thing. It was just there was nothing else to do. So they would pick on you to make you feel better. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, high school was that perfect time. You'd pull me and my friends would pull out our DSs and start playing what not wi-fi but uh it was like a wireless signal and we would be racing mario kart in the lunchroom not caring who saw us 
But junior high, completely different fucking story. You couldn't really. That was the, probably the more brutal years of of I think any kid. Yeah, yeah. I just remember those years being about jackass and skateboarding and being dangerous or quote unquote edgy. You know. Mm-hmm. And that was more what it was about. And comics were not that at that time, even though they were that. It's just not that's that's not how they were viewed. But I bet you know if I pulled out a copy of The Dark Knight or some shit like that, I'm like, look at this shit. He's beating the fuck out of this mutant back then. If I had known, people would have been like, all right, relax. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so it sounds awesome that you've pretty much been geeking out this entire time un- uninterrupted. That's awesome. Well, I think I've also been lucky that my mom, uh, who from a very young age, she and I don't know if it was just parents at the time, but she would let me watch things like. The Tim Burton Batmans, which are, you know, fine. Maybe Batman Returns might be a little intense for like a really young kid, but things like Aliens, The Predator, all those sci-fi movies, The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. I was I was allowed to watch all of those things. So I from a very, very young age, I was in that world. Speed Racer, the things that she grew up with, like Speed Racer, I would also watch and grow up on. So I think a lot of that I have to give credit to my mom because without that early exposure to this world i don't know if i would have had that familiarity when i saw those characters again as i was growing up yeah fucking i with that i'll also shout out my parents because i talked about it the other day when my sister was here with her kid of we were watching power rangers and he was like i'm gonna go home and watch power rangers i was like how many times do you think james denise had to watch that shit and they're like a lot nick a lot (laughs) because at home i never grew out of it so if i still found tapes or something like that i'd still watch them and things like that so I, I again can't can't thank them enough. Well, what would you say is your earliest exposure to like that world, whether it's Power Rangers or whatever nerdy thing? Batman, a hundred percent Michael Keaton cutout life size that I got. A little embarrassing, but you know I was three for potty training. Awesome. And the animated series is probably the next big thing I have in my head. Two things that I think today. Would you hesitate in showing your kid? batman or the animated series at let's say age four or five no maybe i wouldn't go returns only because danny devito is really fucking gross but the original (laughs) batman no i don't think there's anything wrong with that and depending on what kind of five-year-old he was maybe returns yeah returns was i think as you mentioned really intense and that's i mean they made happy meal toys out of these things and didn't really think twice about it but this is the same movie where DeVito was biting noses off of guys' faces and and talking about using the word pussy to Catwoman in a sexual way, not even at all uh, talking about the animal. And it's it's like, all right, Happy Meal toys. But they also had kids' toys for Predator and Alien, too. So I think it's just that period of time where they're like, yeah, kids are watching this. Let's try to sell them toys. And then, you know, that just kind of reminds me of the overcorrection and then Batman Forever and Batman and Robin of just like, how did they go from, you know, that's a perfect thing. Yes, this lady's laying on the bed with a feline, but he says pussy and does not mean anything towards that cat whatsoever. <laughs> and just biting the heads off shit and off people. And, you know, it opens up with fucking Pee Wee Herman dumping his kid into the river of just like, yeah, Fuck it. it's really brutal. If you think about it, I think we are still in that period of overcorrection, though, because. Things like the Snyder Cut or BVS are considered too dark, but it's like, really? That's too dark? You're like, go back and watch Batman Returns. Even just Batman Returns is darker than BVS. Yeah, Superman shouldn't kill Zod. And it's like, don't, don't you remember what happened in the first one in the 70s? Like, what, you think he just fell and fucked off? No, he fell to his <laughs> fucking death. Like, he's dead, too, as well. That's what 
You have to, yeah. Gosh. That's right. Uh, the final thing I wanted to talk about with you just in this little section, something I find fascinating, is your job, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I do manage a comic book shop, and that's something that I've worked. I was a part-timer, went up to full-time, and went up the ranks over the years. And I think I've been there for this company for almost a decade, I think. It's been more challenging now that I manage it and do the ordering and the numbers because before that period, it was about, okay, let me find the comics in the back room that I can try to price up, make some money on, fill the bins, pretty much maintain the store. But now it's, I'm ordering the books. I'm using the boss's, the owner's money. And so it's a lot more stressful because now I have to think about, okay, how many variants do I order? How many main covers? do Am I going to sell this statue of Emma Frost ever? Or will people care about Baby Yoda in a year when this statue releases and I have to order it now? So it's it's kind of the glamour has changed because I now view things from a whole different perspective. It's made me appreciate shopping local way more. So you know, before I wouldn't really care about where I'd get my product, it'd be whatever the best price is and that's it. But now I try to make the effort of if I can find it locally, even if I'm paying a little bit more for it, I know that I'm keeping jobs in my area around and I'm supporting my local stores, which in turn, you know, makes my town better. So, uh, it's, you know, it's a bit of a tangent that I went on there, but it's it's just kind of like, you know, my even my whole worldview on the world of retail has shifted completely after, you know, something as small and insignificant, I guess, as managing a, a shop that sells periodicals to people. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's, you know, been my philosophy of trying to shop local. We've got a small little convenience store that's kind of a grocery store. I don't know where the line blurs. And like you said, it's a little bit more, but that, I walk in and it's like, hey, Nick. And it's like, hey, how are you? And it's like, good. <laughs> what do you need? And I'm like, I, I'm going to go get it. Don't worry. And they're like, okay. And then, all right, see you next week and shit like that. Or we just redid a small porch kind of area into a bathroom. Like, where are you going to find this stuff? Don't go to Lowe's. Don't go to any. If you can find the lumber at a lumber yard, go find it there or shit like that. Because honestly, and I'm not afraid to die on this on this rock or on this plateau, if you will, for this show of fuck Lowe's. Fuck it. Don't go to Lowe's. They what fucked me out Lowe's? of a giant. <laughs> so, yeah, you could tell. It was just that they were supposed to bring me a fucking lawnmower and they never did. And they jerked me around for it for a while. And the end of the day it took forever like it's that's the fucked up thing they take your money so easily but when you need a return it's like well hold on a second i gotta that's think right. about that that's how all those big box stores are too because they know that they they don't need your business and you know it's like all right great that's fine and that's when you, we got to make those choices of you know i'm going to support the businesses that are relying on people like you and i that you know do get to know hey how you doing they see you every week they know what you like uh, they know what you're buying, and it become you become a part of part of their routine too. And it's it's that relationship between yourself and the clerk, or myself and the customer, the subscriber, that I think online shopping doesn't offer, big box stores don't offer, and that I've had customers tell me, I come here, I know I can get these che you know cheaper at DCBS or online, but I come here because I know Daniel can recommend me a book, or I know I can flip through these comics, and I can't really do that online, and I will pay that that MSRP or retail price, knowing that the shop can't afford to sell these things at Amazon prices, they'll go out of business or. You know, they. I think people are very aware of, at least in in the world of bookstores, just how important uh, customers really are to those businesses. And the other thing that that then reminds me of is 
just kind of the faulty of what happens with them. So like you said, Daniel knows what I like because Daniel has been seeing my poll list. You know, he's been cultivating this thing. And unlike, you know, reminds me of technology. Have you ever watched something on one of the big things? And it's like, hey, you watch this. You might like this. And you're like, why the fuck would you suggest that? No, I didn't like that or like anything like that. You as a person, knowing these other people, seeing their poll list, hearing their thing, will actually understand what they will like next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do the extra book suggestions. They they ask all the time. Uh, this is where I, I I will admit though, because I've I've worked at a comic shop for so many years, I think this is what's made me bitter against the MCU fans. And I apologize to any of your listeners that love the MCU, and I know you've discussed it, and and you you yourself enjoy uh, some movies from from Disney, but. Uh, in that, I don't know if you remember that that time when Man of Steel came out, BVS, and even if you just shared, you know, I enjoyed that movie, you would immediately get the why? Why'd you like it? What'd you like about it? That movie was terrible. I got terrible reviews. BVS got a 20% Rotten Tomatoes. You're saying you liked it? Where you can't even enjoy something without someone jumping on you or criticizing you for it. Now imagine that at a comic shop where customers are bringing up movies and they're saying, hey, did you watch the new Ant-Man? And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't watch it. You know, and I just want to leave it at that. But it's like, wait, why didn't you watch it? You know, and Infinity War is coming out, right? How come you didn't watch it? And then co-workers like, oh, D Daniel likes the DC movies. Really? Those are the And they would just continue like that for day after day, shift after shift for years. <laughs> you know, how long has the MCU been going? And that, uh, you know, imagine that at work and then outside of work with friends and family, uh, and people ask, like, Jesus, this guy's really bitter about the MCU. It's like, yeah, because uh, I've, I can't enjoy my thing without someone uh, for years saying, why are you enjoying your thing? It was like the Internet came to life. Yeah, that's some silly fucking nonsense of just like, what do you mean? Why do I? What what, what a weird question. You know, why do I enjoy eating the like, Why do you order what you order at Chinese food restaurants? You know, you like lo mein? What do you say? Everybody knows you get the mushu port, you fucking idiot. And it's like, no, I can eat whatever the fuck. I can enjoy whatever the fuck I want. So that kind of shit. Yeah, I could see that getting under your skin. And the other thing I wanted to ask about is, can you base sales off of what new shows or movies are coming out? Because the last few times I went into the store, I was just kind of looking around. Shout out Comics by the Green, downtown Scranton. Super fun place. But just kind of perusing. And uh, somebody came in and it was like, Hey, have you ever heard of the boys? And it's like, yeah, yeah, let's get And the guy just had, yeah, this number. And he just had them ready almost. You know what I'm talking about? Like whatever new and what's ever hot and being talked about, does it sell that much more and get kind of more people into the stores? The streaming shows do like the boys, like uh, more recent umbrella Academy was incredible when they added avatar, the last airbender onto Netflix last year, that got a revival. I couldn't sell avatar uh, graphic novels two years ago but as soon as it went on netflix every, like this new generation of kids got into it and then they wanted to get the comics and the graphic novels so it does work out in that way but it doesn't work in the single issue department so for example some people would say oh so and i would get this all the time like you're probably selling a ton of marvel when endgame came out you're probably selling a ton of marvel comics now and it's like no not i'm selling a lot of pops and i'm selling the infinity war graphic novel but that's really it. The, the it doesn't translate to longtime readers, and that's okay. You know, any every what a sale is a sale, and it doesn't matter. But this idea that people for some reason have that if the movies are doing incredibly well, they're hitting a billion dollars, then comic shops must also be. And it's like, no, I wish if we would get one percent of that, 
you know, we'd be all set, but it unfortunately doesn't work out that way. But I am very happy about the streaming shows. I'm happy when the shows do well, because those are the ones that lead to, I'm going to pick up volume one, the old guard, when that hit Netflix, same thing. All right. And then they're back for volumes two through seven, two through eight. They're in, even though it's different than the show, because they want to see the differences. They now like the comic. The comic was a success for a reason because it's good. And from there they made the show and, and so on. So uh, yeah, if you're if we're talking shows, absolutely. Movies, not so much. I do love that Umbrella Academy, both on page and on screen. I I enjoyed everything that's out right now with that title on it. I've really fucking enjoyed. Have you gotten into any other comics because of any shows you've seen? The Boys, yeah, that was one I really, quite frankly, had not heard of whatsoever. I hear the I haven't seen or, or read the comic, but I hear that they're very different as far as content. Like the comic is even more. I don't know if you want to call it R-rated, but adult than the even the show. Oh, yeah. I would 100% back that up. It's kind of like, uh, did you read Kick-Ass? No, but I, I understand that the comic is also way more brutal than the movies. There's a scene, and spoilers to you, do you mind? No. So there's a scene in the movie in which they tried to, it's like in the book, sorry, I'm so flabbergasted. In the book, they gang rape a girl. Okay. Boom, Broad Street. In the movie, he goes to try to rape her. But he can't get a hard on and they make kind of a joke. Of, oh, I guess evil, evil Dick is a little limp. And he's like, oh, we should hurt her. And then it cuts. So I would say it's kind of the same of that where like in the book, it's like, oh, she for sure got fucking gang raped and left there to die. We're in the book, like the idea, the horrible idea of rape is brought up, but it's not even X. You know what I'm trying to say here mm -hmm. in terms of, yeah, both of them are really fucking crude to talk about. But one really takes it to a goddamn different level. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that, I figured the the comic is more free to do anything really because we don't really you, you comics get incredibly insane. Uh, you go through the previous catalog and you'll see some like super gory comics. There's really no line when it comes to those. So I was just curious about that because I had heard that the boys comic someone read it and they're like, oh, this is way heavier than the than the show I watched. Yeah, if you've got like a teen or something and you're like, oh, he likes that show. Yeah, I know it's a little crass, but he likes that show. I guess I'll buy him this book. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Pump the brakes on that one. That's that's a nice thought, but look through it first and double decide because yeah, it's, I would say it's an R versa X rating or an R versa NC-17, maybe not an X where it should be illegal, but you should probably be 17 to be looking at this shit, at least. That's what I would tell the Walking Dead readers because kids and teenagers would be watching the show on AMC along with their parents, and then they would come in and try to pick up the graphic novel, and i tell them, look, just a heads up. The comic is way worse than the show. And they're like, oh, no, well, they watch the show. It's fine. I'm like, no, no, no. The show is like PG. It's like rated G compared to the comics. You don't just like like even though it's in black and white, it's still very graphic. Please flip through it first. Yeah, that was a boat I never got on board on in print or screen. So that's another good example of, yeah, what I'll bring up to people just in case, because a lot of people love that shit. It's still going. <laughs> it's not at the level that it was, but. I was kind of surprised that when they did the reprints recently of Walking Dead Deluxe, they're reprinting all the issues from issue one, but now in color. And I ordered heavy on it because I'm like, these guys are going to be in. They're going to these Walking Dead collectors are going to come back and they're going to read these. And even the ones that I would talk to would say, no, 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 Daniel, they're not going to get me to buy these issues again. And I'm like, you watch. You're going to subscribe to this. Two months later, they're like, yeah, go ahead and add me down for Walking Dead Deluxe. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. They, they went out of print like I knew they would. That's fucking hysterical. Yeah, and that's, again, full circle as we kind of close on out into this bro section of why you should shop local, guys. Your people, you're going to get to know them 
They're going to get to know you. They'll know what you like, and then they can start exposing you to different things and start ordering you stuff before you even know you want it. That's beautiful. That's right. That's the way to do it. So again, shop local, guys. That's how we're going to end this bro section. But with that, we get to open up the superhero section. And that's really, if you haven't told by the bro section, we both really like superheroes. So we're going to go deep diving into Constantine right now. I feel like right off the bat, we should really make the, the distinction that this is only semi-Constantine movie, mostly in name. Yeah. <laughs> I, it came out during that period where you, as a movie studio, weren't really safe to go all in on, we're just going to translate the page over to screen. You were, They were still in that era of like, well, we still got to make it, you know, appeal to the general audience. People like Keanu Reeves. Let's not, let's not make them do an English accent like in the comics. Or the X-Men, for example, they were wearing black leather. They wouldn't have them in bright colors. I think it, it was a product of that. For sure, because that had just almost came out not too long before that. By that, I mean, I'm sorry, The Matrix. So Keanu Reeves at the time was just selling stuff off of being Keanu Reeves' action star. So anybody who's not too familiar, Constantine himself, John Constantine, is A, a blonde, B, from the other side of the fucking pond, and C, does wear a trench coat, but it's tan, and then he wears a white shirt and a motherfucking red tie. So if you are listening to this and you're like, yeah, of course he does. I've never seen this Constantine movie, though. That's because it's it's only Constantine in name, just a little bit. Have Not even seen... making it look like uh, Sting from the, the music star who he was based on. You just described the, the exact character. Did you ever see the promo that Sting did for the TV show about four years back in which he dressed up as Constantine? So it was literally like, that's the, the most accurate Constantine we'll ever see is 60-year-old Sting putting on a trench coat. I had just found that out, and it was on my list of did-you-know facts to talk about, so that's awesome that you got us there already, man. Like, I had no idea that he was originally based off Sting. And as you said, that's not the character we see at all in this. And I got I, I rewatched it. It's on HBO Max right now. Uh, I used to like this movie a lot. When it came out, I worked at the movie theater, and I collected the poster when those would come down. And I'm like, oh, can I get the Constantine one? And I watched it a few times in the theaters. I bought the DVD when that released. And even now, rewatching it, I'm like, yeah, it was fine. It's not Constantine, but it's not a terrible movie. No, it's as if somebody tried to draw Constantine from memory without using reference <laughs> So you kind of see what they were going for, like it, or like a knockoff brand or something like that, where you're like, I kind of see what you wanted to do, but let me copy your homework, but just don't take too much that it looks the same. What blew me away is how much incredible talent is in the movie. Rachel Weiss just is an incredible actor, and she's in my favorite movie of all time, The Fountain. And here, too, she's given it her all. And you have uh, Tilda Swinton, I think is her name, and she's doing an amazing job. It, it's just amazing to me how expensive this movie looked. And I don't know if these actors weren't, you know, ass sought after back then, but you look at this movie now and you're like, holy shit, there's a lot of talent behind this, even in the way that they, they filmed the movie. And it's a director that's primarily known for music videos, but you know, you're seeing this and you're like, this is still a, there's scenes that still stay with me to this day, just, just from how memorable they were and how they were set and as you mentioned, though, Keanu, to me at least on this rewatch, was the least memorable part of the movie. And and it's unfortunate because he's also a tremendous actor, but I don't know. I don't really know what he was going for in his take of the character. Well, definitely kind of to touch back on what you said about the accent. And I started to ask, have you ever seen Bram Stoker's Dracula where he has to do an English accent? 
Uh, as a kid, yes. <laughs> yeah. If you watch that now, you will understand 110% why they're like, yeah, don't fucking do that. Don't fucking do that at all. You're going to be American in this one. Hey, still haven't learned how to do the accent? All right, yeah, we're not going to. No, <laughs> no, no. You're, you're fucking, again, you're Neo. That's all we need, Neo. You just get on screen and we'll figure the rest out, Neo. Here's a cross gun and we'll figure this out. <laughs> and he really was Neo, though. Like, he's whispering. He's. Uh, no chemistry between him and Rachel. I didn't really see it there. And uh, it, yeah, it could have used some script tweaks. There were some things like with the the arm when he was summoning, I guess, Satan or God by getting the tattoos together. And I don't know if that's something from the comic. I'd have to ask uh, one of my friends who's a huge Constantine reader. But, you know, there were some confusing elements in the film that I'm like, was there a scene missing of, you know, if he gets the tattoos together, was I not paying attention? Now that's there's there's some odd uh, story bit beats in the movie. Well, maybe something that can help clear you up that cleared me up a little bit is like, why isn't he going after Rachel Weiss? You know, like there's three times he just shuts this bitch down and I get it. You're brooding and stuff like that, but she still is a very attractive woman. You don't want to see what she's got to say at all. There's no part in your man brain that's just like, what's going on? And it may be to the fact that the original was shot in intent to have his girlfriend Ellie be in the movie. Oh, I didn't know that. No. So if you remember at the very end, once he uh, they get the cross into the sprinkler system and then he sets that shit off, there's a lady who specifically says holy water as it starts to deteriorate her face. Her name is Michelle Monaghan. Apparently, she's like some sort of famous actress. I, I, I don't know what she's from, but she was like at the nightclub when he first goes to meet Papa Midnight. Like she was in a few different places set up to be the comic book character of his love interest. But at the end of the day, the director was like, fuck it, I think he's better as a loner and pretty much wiped her the fuck out of the movie. Okay, so somewhere there are there are scenes that have them both set up as a couple that they just ended up cutting out of the film, is what you're saying, even after the script was finished. Oh, hardcore, yeah. Scenes that were shot and just cut out of the final thing just to make it less. And I think I think her only line in it is holy water, question mark, like at the very <laughs> end. And there was apparently a lot more, and no, she she did not make it. I wonder if that would explain, too, why Shia LaBeouf's character just goes missing for like halfway through the movie. He's just gone and doesn't show up again until the end. So I wonder if a lot of those scenes involved, you know, that character that just had to be cut out of the film. Yeah, he just disappears. Like you said, that was the perfect way of saying it, because there's two people, like there's two storylines between that and the other guy who finds the Spear of Destiny. I think his name's Manuel. But I don't know if it's actually that. But he finds that shit at the beginning, and then we don't see him for forever. When I was watching it with my wife, she's like, wait, what's going on with this? Because she had missed the very beginning. I was like, oh, yeah, we kind of – it's been 40 minutes, and we haven't seen this motherfucker doing anything. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> I feel like Shia LaBeouf at the same time. It's like, hey, I'm here. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll call you. Don't worry. Just, just go sit down. He was basically the limo driver from Die Hard. Shows up at the beginning, shows up at the end. Perfect. What a perfect fucking analogy. That was awesome. And like you were talking about with cast, yeah, Shia LaBeouf just showing up in there. And the next guy I wanted to talk about, uh, Midnight himself. And fuck, I fuck his name so hard. Dijman Honsu. Yeah, I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> I know he's in Guardians. He was yes. in Shazam. Yes. And he was a little bit in Aquaman. Uh, who was he? Was he one of the Royal Guards? He was one of the other kings. The fish king, the one who was actually like a fish looking motherfucker. Oh, okay. He was that guy. He must be like, wrapped up in Warner Brothers contracts. <laughs> like he's he's probably he owes them like 20 film appearances. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, in my head, I, I don't know if it's in, not until the second was it he owes them or was it just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep coming down. If all of Hollywood just knows that Dismon Hutu's just waiting around, just like, yeah, I'll come down. I'll hang out for a day, whatever. Right. <laughs> He's that perfect go-to guy. I first fell in love with him, if you will. Uh, never back down. Have you ever seen that kind of piece of shit movie? No. <laughs> it's kind of a piece of shit. But at the time in my life, it just made sense. It's about MMA. It doesn't matter, but... I first saw him in that, and he's got the line, and, you know, of course, the family guy likes to make fun of where they say the line of the name in the movie, and he's like, never quit, never back down. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> you tell him. <laughs> he said it. He said the thing. Yep. Every time. Every time that comes on, I have to yell at the screen, ah, he did it. <laughs> so just a little bit of backstory, because I don't think I brought it up, and it's funny that we mentioned Swamp Thing earlier, because it was in Swamp Thing number 37, 37, in June 1985 where we first got him created by Alan Moore, Rick Veitch, Steve Bissett, and John Totalbin. If I fucked those guys' names up, I probably did. The great Alan Moore. Some say insane today, but you cannot argue with his body of work and the contributions that he's brought to not just comics, but you can just say literature straight up. I do believe he's a genius. There is that video of him where he turns on the light and he's like, hello, I'm Alan Moore and I'm a genius. And I'm like, yeah, you fucking are, dude. You really are a genius. No one's going to argue that. No, no one I'm, can argue that. Yeah, I'm usually the guy who's like, if you have to say it, it's probably not true. But with Alan Moore, it is 180 degrees of that. It's just like, thank you for reminding me, Alan Moore. Please continue talking. <laughs> he could have just given us Watchmen alone and retired, never done another thing. And we'd still call him a genius. Yeah, but coming back for V for Rendetta, he also did. And then the Swamp Thing is, in my opinion, one of his greatest things that he's given to us. It's beautiful. Is that your favorite Alan Moore work? No, Watchmen definitely is. I can I can read that. I love it. And I love the Snyder film. I love the show that they did. Kind of going back to what we said about anything with the Umbrella Academy's name on it, I love. Anything with the Watchmen logo, I love. I liked the before Watchmen's and all that. Even though I know he famously <laughs> refuses to acknowledge any of those prequels or <laughs> I think even the Snyder film, he he he's like he didn't want any type of reproduction of that work he had signed the contract in a certain way or something or maybe he didn't and he's been resentful for all these years because dc's like look there's there are characters and you created them yes but under our contract so yeah it, it's it, there's a lot to be said about that that freedom of how mu how much do you respect the artist and if but if you do and you go overboard then you can't enjoy things like before Watchmen, doomsday clock snyder's film uh, it, it it just, where where does it stop, you know? At least, though, for this movie, I do believe you're correct. He definitely didn't see it, but any money that he was, uh, I don't want to say awarded, but any money he was deserved, he paid to the other people. He's like, I don't want it. <laughs> Not for <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was a kind of cool thing to learn, that he's just like, no, I don't, I don't want, like, it's not about the money. So another thing that I have on my list is apparently Nick fucking Cage was wanting to play this guy, too. <laughs> wow. Imagine that world. I mean, we almost got Superman by Nick Cage, but a Nick Cage Constantine. I, you know what? I would almost say that he'd do a, at least a more entertaining Constantine than Keanu ended up doing. Yeah. Fucking balance. Fuck the balance or something. I don't know. <laughs> I just realized how bad my Nick Cage impression was. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, no impressions that I do are good, but sometimes they're not God fucking off. But anyway, he screams a lot. I just think of him in the bee helmet during that thing. <laughs> yeah. Or even in kick-ass. Switch to kryptonite. <laughs> 
now I want to see this. Like when we get that reboot, why not Nick Cage? Yeah. I don't know. Did you see Ghost Rider? Uh, I still play it at the shop every now and again. I don't mind it. I didn't think he did that horrible at it. And a lot of people will like to get on a, a stick and say, hey, fuck you, Nick. But I didn't think it was that bad. The second one was. Well, it's like, what was he dishonoring? The the well-known character of Johnny Blaze, known for his, you know, they can tell me. Nobody knows. Like, he was playing Nick Cage. It's fine. Turns into a flaming skull. Like, what are they really complaining about? Like, yeah, maybe the movie wasn't great, but his portrayal, like, what what did he really have to work with? Exactly. Yeah, nobody's going to say he didn't play it as blank as he's supposed to be. And it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean how he's supposed to be? It's a fucking skull and shit. It's on fire. He, I think he did a great job at it. He nailed it. He even did all the motion capture, I believe, all the acting for mm, when he sorry. was that character, when he was that skull creature, <laughs> whatever, the monster, demon. I think it's demon is what they call him in the comics. And for anybody who doesn't know and loves Rebel Wilson now, there's a very young Rebel Wilson in that. And I find that hysterical. In the first Ghost Rider? Yeah, he saves her life, and then she gets on the news, and she's like, and his hair was all flames, like, ah. Okay, I didn't know that was, okay, I'm going to have to go back and watch that. If I'm not mistaken, it's, it's yeah, it's Rebel Wilson, and it's just like, hey, you're super famous now. Probably more famous than anybody in this movie, concurrently. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about here is how good it looked. You said that a few times. Definitely, I believe it was directed really well. I uh, can't agree more with the fact of if you took Keanu out and replaced him, I'm not sure if it'd be like, it's not the same, because... It looked well. The story, in my opinion, was what it was supposed to be, apparently based off uh, Dangerous Habits. It's a six-part Hellblazer slash Constantine. I don't know which name it went under because he kind of does both sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the special effects are fucking amazing. That is one thing I also noticed in which they, they mixed practical with uh, CGI or computer because when he's beating up the one demon guy that you assume is the main villain up to a certain point. And you notice that at least what I, I felt like it was prosthetics on his face. Plus they made it, you know, they puffed it up with a little bit of CGI and there was not a, I don't think there was a single scene in which I'm like, you yeah, know, that, that didn't look too good. Maybe the demons when you're in hell, like you can kind of tell like, yeah, they're super CG or whatever, but even that didn't take me out of the film. No, it was all done by the Stan Winston studio. So they do a, buttload of stuff and that scene in which you're talking about i did a little behind the scene and yeah no that's practical that's glued on that guy's face with what's the word ooze kind of coming off of it you know if you haven't seen the flick he is what they call a halfway or something like that he's part demon pretty much mm -hmm. they don't explain it that great in this movie about what those people are specifically supposed to be doing he's just like if they if they whisper you could either go and kill yourself or be a hero and you're like okay i'm i'm, I'm okay with this but he gets holy water splashed on him, which kind of ruins the facade of his fake skin. And you see the demon come out. His name is Belthazar. And that's all practical. And that is one of the best fucking makeups in the movie, if not taking the cake. Yeah, that is the one. You get the camera actually holds on him. You have conversations between the two characters. So you get to see uh, the full makeup in action. And as he's getting punched back and forth. It holds up well. There's probably not another scene. Uh, you know, you can't really count all of the demons that you see in the street when he pulls out the the light that takes that takes them all out because it's all computerized. But I think it's more impressive when they do mix it up with practical effects. And uh, to me, at least, and maybe it's because I grew up in that era where puppets and makeup were the thing, but that's more believable to my eyes. Yeah, it's actually what we talked about with the uh, TMNT suits. Right, that's right. Ones, and they just look so fucking real. I don't even question it for a second. And then I watch the new ones and I'm like, fuck this. 
Where's yeah. the pra- Where's the puppets? There's got to be a Henson <laughs> alive still, please, for the love of fuck. Where are they? I thought too that when say or Lucifer is coming from wherever he's showing up, and you see like the the goo or the whatever that is dripping off his feet, and then it comes down. So even the sets themselves, this was, uh, you know, I'm sure they used some green screen, but it was back when before movies were all green screen. These you had sets and they actually used water and 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 pools and all of that stuff and i think that's a benefit of this film where you can have those actors in those places and not having them pretend like they like i guess they do in the mandalorian that's like what it's known for where they it's all there's no sets or something right it's all just a big screen but now with with those movies back then you could mix those special effects with where you're at and not worry about just having, oh, the computer guys will take care of it. And I, I just remembered that scene where you see it on the actor's foot as he's coming down, and I'm sure he's on wires, but it just looks amazing. Yeah, it's actually gooping, and apparently that came from, they didn't know what hell was going to look like for a little bit, and it was just going to be a dark emptiness with a tar kind of bottom where it's almost quick sandy and hard to get through and blah, blah, blah. So that's what it's supposed to look like there, but they ended up going with the bulk that they went with, where it looks as if an A-bomb went off. That's what the director took. So if you look at old footage of when they're testing A-bombs out in the, I want to say, I don't know what island chain, doesn't matter. But they like built a fake little house just to fucking film it, get exploded by an A-bomb. And like, that's what it's supposed to look like. But it's that's why his feet are all goopy and shit like that. And agreed, like, that's real. There is goop on that guy's fucking feet. He sat there and put his foot in a bucket or some shit. There was no like, mm, no, just put it on a little bit later. It'll be, I'm just going to wear pajamas for this and you'll put my suit in later. Like, no, that guy was on wires with goop on his feet and his performance of the movie seals it because mm-hmm. it's a two hour movie. It did feel a little long as I was rewatching it this time. I don't know why, but his performance at the end, I stopped. I was just like, yep, this is perfect. He has, what, maybe five minutes of screen time? Maybe ten? But if if that scene had been done by anyone, uh, if it had been a weak performance, I think the whole ending would have fallen apart. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Because the viciousness of him, but the gleefulness too, where he's like, the only saw, that's right. And he's kind of like giving that little clap and his feet are almost like a little kid enjoying something. Like, <laughs> and then just, he mocks him like, they have the spear of destiny. And then at the very end, too, the one line I say all the time when I'm talking to my boss, but he doesn't know. It's like, you want an extension? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, can you hold off on extending that or putting that through? And it's like, all right, yeah, I'll give it like, and that's what I say in my head. Because if I said it to him, he'd probably be like, what the fuck are you talking about right now? And maybe <laughs> that poor guy, dude. I want to shout out my boss, but he doesn't listen. I like all the time. I think he's referencing stuff because I just have a weird memory. So the other day he was like impeccable timing. I was like, is that a Lion King reference? And he goes, what? I was like, don't you remember when Zazu was about to get eaten by Scar and Mufasa shows up out of nowhere and his beak sticks out of his mouth and he goes, impeccable timing. And he looked <laughs> at me like, no, I don't fucking remember that. I'm normal, you son of a bitch. Go to work. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I always say this, but as things come up, I just I can't get them off my head because I did say the spear of destiny. You want to hear some cool shit? Yeah. In the first Hellboy, as he's uh, John is getting a tour, they pass the Spear of Destiny, and it's the same prop. Really? Okay, no, that's a neat Easter egg. That's awesome. Now, how much would you like to see a Hellboy-Constantine crossover? I, I would if it were still Guillermo del Toro on board with it, because this last one, uh, man, <laughs> that last one was rough. But if it had been in that, even in the comics, yeah, let's see that in the comics. Come on, Dark Horse. 
Right. They play nicely together. They do. So I don't, I definitely would like to see that. Yeah. If we were going to go for movie or some live action for sure, I got to say, like, I, I don't, I'm so weird on this. Cause even though we talked about how Keanu Reeves is not Constantine, if he came back, I'd be like, I'd watch it. I'd still watch it. You know? Well, aren't there talks of a sequel? I guess they were saying, even though this underperformed at the box office, they already had an idea for a Constantine two, and and the director late last year at one of these online Zoom conventions, he had talked about how there was that possibility, there was that rumor that they were going to announce it last year, and then most recently, I don't know the actor's name who played Lucifer, but he he straight up said, no, the script is is finished, and they've since started working on it again, and he's kind of the one who let it out of no, this is probably going to happen. The only because I did try to look this up for this is that everybody has confirmed said that they would do it. I did also read that that guy's name is Peter, Peter Stormare, that, yes, he was like, oh, it's there. Like, it, it kind of feels like remember when Deadpool wasn't getting made? Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like that where everybody was on board. Everybody wanted to do it. And it just took a little leak to kind of push it forward. That's where I feel like this needs to do. Like, even if it was a weird teaser trailer or test footage of Keanu back in an actual fucking trench coat, like a real one, like the one he was supposed to be wearing, if you will, just like that would get it because people do like this movie and do talk about it, but it just, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't think it's going to get that push to ever actually happen. I don't know why. That's the interesting thing of right now. Keanu's career is that he is such a big name among the general audience again, that probably as big as he was back during the Matrix times, you know, because just because of the John Wick movies. So you punch up a script of him blowing demons away way more than in this film. You get more choreographers like you did in the John Wick movies. And you can probably pull this off as far as box office. But if he weren't as famous as he is today, Constantine 2 does not happen. That's the, I think that's the only reason Warner Brothers would want to make that sequel as well. Keanu's huge. We can probably make this cheap and make it make money. That's the only reason why I'm like that. It might happen. It would definitely be cool. And I like the idea of making it super cheap, you know, for their standards of super cheap and not having it be big and having it be a little bit darker and not as much of a we got to save the world as much of, excuse me, are you constant? Can you help me with this? And it just kind of being a not a simple case, but a case, you know, just one case that might take out a few city blocks, just something smaller. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that because they do plan on doing a Justice League Dark, I think TV show is what the last version of that was going to be, where in which they have said that they're going to cast a a new Constantine. Do you think that has any uh, that's going to fight against a type of sequel happening in this universe? Not anymore. Maybe maybe a few years ago that would definitely count it out. But with all the different people playing Joker and Batman and Spider-Man, now that we're in. This kind of world where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of people just don't ask questions and watch it. I feel like people would be more on board of like, not like there can only be one, one at one time. I do love that people now or the studios now feel confident that the general audience understands that they're not going to get confused if there's a flash on, on the show and then a flash on the big screen. That was one of the reasons why Deathstroke, they weren't allowed to use him in, uh, I believe in the show, they had to stop using him because they had plans to use him in the Batflex series. So that's, it was during that time, like you said, a few years ago where they had to be like, okay, well now we have to stop using this character because he's going to show up on the big screen. And thankfully now it's like, all right, we can have two Batman on the big screen. We're going to see that in Flashpoint. And I think that's really cool. 
Yeah, and I know you're not a big fan, but I think WandaVision even kind of pushed that a step further because of the different owners of the X-Men and the different owners of the Avengers through Disney and Marvel. There was two different Pietros at one point, Maximoff, Mr. Quicksilver, and they, they did that. They just replaced Evan Peters with no he was evan peters they replaced aaron taylor johnson with evan peters and they didn't really explain it they were just like they both like you you either fucking get it or you don't and i'm not gonna sit here and explain it and it's like thank you because i do get it and i'm tired of seeing shit explained to me i was talking with some kid on the internet the other day and i was like i love batman i'm just so tired of seeing the waynes die like the next time we do it let's just go let's we know let's just go <laughs> it sounds morbid, but I'll watch the Wayne's die forever. Like I, I'm like, let's see his inter their interpretation of that. All right, cool. Let's see theirs. Like I don't mind <laughs> me personally, but uh, I, I get why people. I, I think it's because maybe people think like, no, I know that story already. But uh, we, but I don't know. Like I, I enjoy seeing like how the cartoons do it and how we saw it in the Joker movie. Uh, it was it last year. I think it was last year. And that had a whole different take on it and a whole different feel. And I, I don't know. I'm not tired of it yet, but, but that's just me. That's true. Yeah. And that's something that the first Batman kind of gets shit for, where in my opinion, I'm like, I think it's kind of cool that Jack Napier killed his parents instead of Joe Kill, because that's unique to this universe. And in the Joker universe, yeah, it was during that riot. And that is unique to that. So that's actually a really good point. I guess what I'm I'm just more tired of the Joe Chill line then. Imagine if, do you think there would have been a backlash on the internet if the internet were around back then? Of Obviously, Michael Keaton, that was a big thing. Uh, people were writing in letters to Warner Brothers about how, what a terrible casting that was. But if if there were rumors that Joker is the Joe Chill in that universe, I think the internet would have exploded in, in, a, in a bad way because it's different than the comics. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like you said, with the Keaton casting, uh, there's a movie that goes into the aforementioned Nick Cage where he wanted to play Superman. The death of Superman lives what happened, where they're talking to the producer and stuff like that, who was going to produce that, but he did produce the Batman where he's like, yeah, we got letters. You're like, do you know how hard it is to write down and send a letter and people send them <laughs> in? We got tens of thousands of fucking letters. Like, people were pissed. Like, fucking Mr. Mom? So yeah, <laughs> the comic book nerds also were in on the fact that it's like, and he kills the Wayans. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure one or two letters would have still been written then, too. <laughs> I kind of want to see that now. I want to live in that universe just for a little bit and just immediately go back. Like, no, I'm all right. I'm, all right. I'm good. Yeah, just to see the mailroom of just like, wow, two big piles. This is all going to Warner Brothers? Like, yeah, all the <laughs> Warner Brothers. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks. And then back into my boom tube. Yeah. <laughs> to finish up the superheroes really quick, I want to go through uh, a rating of this movie, how you liked it, just kind of overall. We're doing one through ten, right? Yeah. I usually, to be honest, we've been doing so far uh, school rating, if you will. So oh, that's like right. That's B right. plus or whatever. But it could be however you rate it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go by this in, the, I guess, the same way that I do any any movie that I watch. And I, you know, I'll hold it to the standards of my favorite movie because, as I've said before, that's one of my problems, I guess, in, in watching movies in that I, it's going to sound incredibly pretentious, but when I took film classes, it ruined how I watched movies because this film teacher used to like force us to analyze films. And that's how I like, Oh shit. Like I don't just watch these things. You think about them, you know, it's one of those weird things that, you know, I just picked up late and like, cause other people, they know everyone else knows too, but I just, that's when I realized that like, uh, so that's how I, I kind I can't just enjoy a movie anymore. Like it's, it's really bizarre. So I, I'll, I'll give this a C and a lot of it would go for the performances by Rachel Weisz, who did a, an incredible job. 
the directing, uh, it didn't look again like a music video. I think I thought it looked like a very unique film, and nothing is really like it. You know, it's there's some shots. There's a shot of her in the panel against the glass, and she's all obscured, and then you see Constantine on the other side, and she's delivering the line of. I too used to see things that Isabel would, but I would never admit it. And she's saying this as she's coming out of the, so there's like a lot of neat things that the director did that it's like, Oh shit. Like there's, they took this really seriously and they worked that into the lines and the performances and everything. And I do wish that they, you know, Keanu punched up his performance a little bit more. And I get that, you know, he's trying to be Neil from the matrix and trying to do that thing, but that's not Constantine. And, and so that, that was hard for me to get through because he, he is very rude and he will tell you what he thinks, but he's not calm about it. You know, he's cool. He's funny. He's, he's rude, but you kind of feel like you want to still hang out with the guy, even though he's going to berate you the entire time. And uh, I think Keanu was the weakest part of it. And I think that's, what's going to bring down the grade the most from it because everyone else's performance around them, even Shia LaBeouf, they did a fine job. The, the effects, we already went into that and they're, they're amazing. The makeup job, it looked like an expensive film, so I'm going to stick with a C. Uh, how about you, Nick? I'm just going to notch it up to uh, one more, a B minus. All because right. I do feel that it was it was good. It was enjoyable. Uh, I think this was the first time I watched it in over a few years. So like I said a little bit earlier, there was a point where I paused and I was like, two hours. Holy shit, this is two hours. All right, like, let's keep going. But I definitely thought it was a little bit shorter. But again, all the other actors, and it's not even like Keanu is bad. It's just the thing that you got to understand, and not you, but if anybody's listening, the thing that listeners have to understand is if you're going in for a Constantine movie, it's not going to happen. He does not play Constantine. He plays a a version of a, what's the word that you would even call him? Uh, an occult detective. How about that? You know, Perfect. he reminds me much more. There's this book series that I love called The Dresden Files. And he reminds me more of Harry Dresden than he ever does of John Constantine. Because like you said, John Constantine's like, why would you hang out with that guy? And it's like, uh, it's like he's funny sometimes. I mean, I guess he's <laughs> good, I think, sometimes. I don't know. Whereas he just kind of came off to like, yeah, you're kind of a dick, but you're, you're, you don't take joy in being a dick. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of experience in taking joy in being a dick. So I could personally like really latch on to that. And yeah, no, he doesn't, he doesn't portray that at all. Even when like his buddy died and he's like, oh, you son of a bitch. Why didn't you call me? And I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like Shia LaBeouf, even when he passes, it's like, oh, show a little emotion for him, dude. Come on. This is the time when you got to do that. Did you stick around for the post credit scene? I did. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, they were doing them back before the MCU. And I remember that. And he says uh, he tells him the same thing, right? Like, good job, kid. Oh, yeah. No, he does say something before he puts it in. Yeah, good job, kid. I thought you meant to him. No, because I don't even know if he actually saw him because the way that it's shot, it looks almost like he went to look over his shoulder to look at him, but he was already gone. And he was just like, huh? Yeah. Like you could hear him right fly away. And then that was it. I have one more thing. And then I really, truly will not take any more of your time, but it all just culminated. And this is maybe a fun fact to end on. Alan Moore, the creator has sworn that Constantine is not only real, but he's seen him in real life. What? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah Sting, right? He saw him in concert? No, he's got this story <laughs> in which he's at a bar eating or reading or doing something, and down the stairs comes Constantine, looks right at him, and just acknowledges his presence, and then walks around the bar. And Alan Moore sat there going, 
should I get up and go confirm what I just saw? Like, am I crazy? Or should I just leave it at that? And he goes, I'll leave it at that. And this was after he had already written Constantine, or is this what inspired him? It was already after the fact. He swears that the real Constantine, whether or not (laughs) in this universe jumped off the page, he wasn't clear, but that this man couldn't have been a striking resemblance, that no, it was John Constantine himself that he saw. And he's like, I'll leave it alone because I'm a genius and just walk out. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, he is so much of a genius that he perfectly created the character, that the character has now transcended the pages and is, is now walking among us. And he was just like, oh, so that that did happen. All right. And that's probably why he was he didn't want to mess with it. He might get sucked into the pages himself, like that 80s music video. Aha, take on me. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's fucking amazing. That's one of the greatest music videos. What a great poll. I got to look that up now, though. I really I'm curious now as as to like, that's kind of chilling. Like, I don't I don't I don't. <laughs> he's a genius. And I, you know, whatever. I don't believe him. But I'm like, I really want to see that. I wish I were there when. He saw it. I want to see him describe it. Like, is it exactly how he imagined them to look or is he how, you know, he was drawn in the comic? Like, I have a lot of questions. I will send you. Yeah, because unfortunately I took a shitty note and it's just at the bottom. But I I should have somewhere in my history of where I saved the information, just trying to find funny things. And I'll send it to you. But yeah, he swore that this guy walked into the same pub as him and just that it happened for real. That's amazing. With that, man, I've kept you here for quite some time. I thank you for your time so much. We are going to close out the superheroes section, which then closes out the entire podcast of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. If you liked us, if you can give us a like on the social medias, the follows, you know all those things. I'm not going to go too much longer than that. What I am going to go long-winded on is my thank you. Thank you very much for being here, for talking this much about this, for being so cool about signing on so quick. I'm not going to bury the lead. It's not even your first time this month that you're going to be on the show. We're going to talk in a little bit when that Snyder Cut comes out and that kind of willingness to want to come on and do that and have me on yours and just the the community of podcasting that we've had this whole time. It really does mean a lot to me and I can't tell you how much I've loved having you on. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Nick, for the invite and be ready to talk Snyder Cut because believe me, I will not be tired of talking Snyder Cut. My wife's going to hear all about it and I'll still have plenty to say about the Snyder Cut. So you you be ready to also hear it from me because we're going to go into it. Fuck yeah. I, that might be the only show where it's superheroes, superheroes, and superheroes because fuck the buds and bros for that one. If we're going to talk for 80 minutes, it's going to be pure Snyder Cut. It's going to be insane. Four hours of... Oh man, I'm 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 ready. <laughs> I've been waiting. For anybody who wants to find you, just uh, if you want to give yourself a little plug where they can do all that. Sure, if you head on over to thereasonsimbroke.com, you will find a link on everywhere you can find us, including Twitter, LinkedIn, Tumblr, Instagram. All of those links will be at thereasonsimbroke.com. And if you search The Reasons I'm Broke on your favorite podcatcher, you will find our weekly podcast. It releases every Sunday at noon Eastern time. Awesome. Again, with this, I can't say thank you enough, Daniel. I appreciate it, Nick. Thank you. With that, guys, we are buds, bros, and superheroes, and we are out of here.